All right, good morning, church. Glad to see all of you here. We also have a good crew of people online, so hello back there in cyberspace world. Um, thank you guys for being here. To address the elephant in the room, that was definitely last week's scripture reading, but it's okay because it works along with what we're going to talk about tonight, but there's a super secret scripture reading. Come see me for the secret scripture after class, after sermon. I'll give it to you. I want to say thank you to everyone who came out to the pumpkin party on Thursday. We had 20 pumpkins. We carved 15 of them, and uh, we took 13 to the pumpkin walk that was last night. So um, on Wednesday, I'll have your guys' pumpkins back if you would like them after you carved them and they went out on the pumpkin walk. So thank you for coming. We had a great turnout and had a great time. Just a reminder, there's another party coming up on the 30th. The teens are hosting their Harvest Festival party, and the cost of admission is two cans of food for the food pantry that is overflowing, which is such a great blessing, and that'll be from noon to four on Saturday the 30th. So plan for Saturday the 30th to get together and have more fun as well. Um, appreciate you guys for all of that. All right, so last week, it worked out just fine that you read that verse, because I'm going to recap with what we talked about last week. We did something crazy, or I did something crazy. Some people said they felt the earth shake because I brought out two bottles of wine during church time. But I thought it was important because we talked about John chapter 2, Jesus' first miracle. And what was it? Well, it was turning the water to wine there in Cana, the wedding feast. First time we ever see Jesus uh, using his miraculous power, and why was it important? Well, it showed to his apostles, who he's gathering, who he's gathered now, that he was indeed the Son of God. It showed to the people, even up to us today, the miraculous work that God can do. And the point that I tried to bring out is, why did Jesus do that? Well, the party was out of wine. It's a big deal in their culture. They had run out of joy because the wine was gone. So what did Jesus do? Well, he listened to his mother. <laughs> and then he brought the joy back in the midst of despair. See, if Jesus would have um, brought some wine to the party, it was effectively over. The bride and his groom, or the bridegroom and his bride, there we go, would have been disgraced. It would have been embarrassing, and everybody would have left that party depressed because the joy was gone. Wine represents thanks, thankfulness and joy in their culture. So what did Jesus do? Well, he brought the joy back. But that wasn't it all right there either, was it? When the water had been turned into wine, a glass was brought to the master, and the master said, you saved the best wine till the end. You save the best till last. Everyone knows that you don't need to do that with wine. After you've had enough wine, the quality of the wine doesn't matter as much. But Jesus made the best wine. And so for us, we can take that home and, and remember that the best is being saved till last for us. Jesus will come and restore our joy in the midst of darkness. Absolutely, He will do that in our lives. But no matter what, the best wine is coming at the end. And for us, that's eternity in heaven. He's saving the best 
to last. I hope that was encouraging to you last week. Uh, uplifting, but also, was it challenging? Was that last little bit a little challenging for you? I hope it was. Here's why. Because if Jesus is saving the best to last, do you know what else that means? It means the best is yet to come. Jesus is saving the best to last, so that means the best is yet to come. We haven't seen it yet. We won't get to see it yesterday or tomorrow because it's still yet to come whenever He returns, right? So that's the challenge with it, and that's what I want to talk about today. Because do you believe that? Do you live like you believe that the best is yet to come? Or do we live our lives like the best is here and now? That one's kind of convicting for me. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Because as Americans, we're obviously the best, right? I mean, we're the best. We have the best country. We have the best capitalism, the best education, the best income, the best people in the entire world, right? Best politics, all of it? Well, that's not, even, that's not even right when we compare ourselves to the world. We're not even the best there, right? But when we compare ourselves to what God's got planned for us, none of that holds true. None of that's the best. Nothing like what God's got in perspective for us. So sometimes we think the best is here and now. That's the American mindset, right? But what about this? We also do the opposite. We think, man, remember the glory days? Remember the best early 2000s? Best pop punk music there ever was. Never be the same again. Man. Well, it's actually, it's a scientific fact that as we make new memories, we delete bad memories in the past. So we look back on the past and remember all of the great times. But the best isn't in the past either. The best isn't in the present, no matter what country you live in or how good a music you listen to. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. As humans, we're really bad at keeping this in perspective. Maybe it's just me. As a human, I'm really bad at keeping this in perspective. It's not just Americans who struggle with this. It's people. People, we forget that God has promised us that the best is yet to come. And because of that, we can become prideful and we try and say, this situation that I'm making right now, this is the best. But it isn't. Because the promise is that the best is yet to come. And it's been going on for generations and generations that we have struggled with this reminder that God has something far better for us. Let's go way, way back. Genesis. I'm going to spend a long time way, way back today. Let's go back to Genesis. And I've got chapter 15 up here. So if you want to open your Bibles, it's Genesis 15. And we'll look at a few verses there. All the way back in Genesis, we have the story of Abraham here in chapter 15. And if you don't know much about Abraham, that's all right. That's not necessarily the point. But effectively, Abraham is what most people would consider the father of the Jews, the father of the Jewish religion, father of the Old Testament even, if you will. 
He's kind of what got this whole Old Testament started. It's where we start seeing the Jews come into the picture, right? And he was given a promise from God before any of that really started happening here in Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. Let's, let's read what God promises him. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So what's going on here early in the Bible with Abraham? Well, he's given a promise from God. The promise from God is, look at the stars. Is that a good representation? That's how many offspring you, be, you will have. That's how great your family tree will run, if you can even count them. I like that. God's kind of being a little snarky there. I know you can't count them, Abraham. But Abraham believed him. He knew that this was true from God. He believed him, and it was righteousness that he did so. Man, that's a good story right there, isn't it? Abraham believed God, or Abram at this time, right? Abram believed God that he was going to be a great and mighty father, grandfather, great-grandfather, forever and ever, right? God shared with him the best is yet to come. Right then, Abraham, or Abram, didn't have any children. He had no offspring, yet alone all the stars. But the promise was from God, the best is yet to come. Well, sadly, Abram was human. Like you and me and all of us, he heard the best is yet to come and he believed, but it wore off quickly. Abram wanted to be the best is now. And so what happens? Well, just in a few verses later, Genesis 16, verses 1 through 4, we get a little more of the story of Abraham. He was promised, but he forgot the best was yet to come. Let's read this together. Genesis 16, 1 through 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, <clears throat> and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on the, her mistress. Kind of a little wordy, but what's going on here? Well, Abram and Sarah both play a part here, had the promise that the best was yet to come, but it was taking too long. They started to not believe that the best was really coming, and so they wanted the best they could do now. Sound anything like your lives or my life sometimes? Trying to take control of what God has promised and do it our way? So what does Sarai and Abram do? Well, Sarai says, hey, we've got this servant. She's an Egyptian. Why don't you just have a baby with her? I give you my blessing. Please go do it. And Abram does. And from that, 
we have a whole other nation of people that will be born that will cause problems for the Jewish nation, the Israelites, over and over again, right? The first split ever that's going to cause problems like this for Abram. And it's all caused by him and his wife forgetting the promise that the best is yet to come. They wanted at least a taste of the best right now. I guess the best way to say it is he lost focus on God's promise. He lost focus on the promise that the best was yet to come. And so he had this son with Hagar, and from that we see history unfold. Eventually, Abram, Abraham had a son, Isaac, and from that we would have lineage of the Israelites, right? And the Jewish nation is born. The best did come for Abraham, but it was yet to come at this moment. And so he lost focus. So what about those people that eventually did come from Isaac? You think they had any of those traits from the father, great-grandfather, Abraham? Ah, they were human too. Genesis 15, let's go back here a minute to verse 13 through 21. This is the promise that's going to be for his people after his people were promised. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kizanites, Candonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephium, Amorites, the Canaanites, the Jijusites, and the Jebusites. That's how you pronounce them, ish, right? What was the promise there? The promise is, I have a promised, beautiful land for you with rivers flowing that I promise to your people. Just wait, because the best is yet to come. It's a long wait for these people, isn't it? 400 years. 400 years of (laughs) sojourning. That's a nice, fancy word for not having a home and wandering all over the place, right? 400 years where the people end up getting enslaved in Egypt. 400 years where they finally get freed from Egypt and they have to wander some more. And then they complain to their leader that we just want to go back into slavery. 400 years where they wander around and beg God for food and are again shown and shown. And then they get there and these people I just listed are too scary. That's the story of these people, right? They go in, they send their spies, and (laughs) 10 out of the 12 are like, nope, they're too big. Let's go back to Egypt, where we were slaves. Man, the best that was coming took a long, long time for these people, didn't it? Basically, the Israelites, Abraham's descendants, come from Isaac, They were promised great possessions and a fertile land, the best land, but it is yet to come. And it took a lot of patience that they weren't very good at on the way there. 
So I guess maybe these people that were descendants of Abram, they might have been human too. They might have had trouble grasping the idea that the best is yet to come. So what about us today? Jesus promised not only to the wedding feast, not only to the people that he made wine for, he said, I'm saving the best to last. But that means for us, the best is yet to come. How can that impact our lives? Well, this is the challenge, isn't it? You should have been encouraged that the best is waiting till last, but you should be challenged by the fact that the best is yet to come. Because that means we have to set aside our pride and practice a little humility. Do you know what's happening in this world? Not the best. You can work as hard as you can ever work and be as successful as you will ever be, but it's not the best. You can make as much money as you want, have the best house, and have the most beautiful family, but it's not the best. The best is yet to come. And as humans, we, we really struggle with remembering that. That's the promise God has given to us. When did he give it to us? Well, he gave it to us with his son. His son gave us eternity in heaven so that we can know that whatever happens in this life, good or bad, isn't the best. The best is yet to come. So really, what I want you guys to take home today and what I'm going to have to work on too, that's how these always work for some reason. The question is, who do we put our trust in? We've been promised that the best is coming, but do we really trust God when he has told us that? Or do we trust ourselves to do the best today because this is all I'm going to have? Because humans, we have a history of not putting our trust in him. Humans, we have a history of putting a trust in ourselves because we think we are the best. But we will never have freedom in this world. We will never have the best situation because that's waiting for us in eternity. God's promise is that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come.